When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And all the counselors together with that proud tyrant, Vortigern, the British king, who were so blinded, that as a protection to their country, they sealed its doom by inviting in among them, like wolves into the sheepfold, the fierce and impious Saxons, a race hateful to both God and men, to repel the invasion of the northern nations. Nothing was ever so pernicious to our country. Nothing was ever so unlucky. What palpable darkness must have enveloped their minds. Darkness and desperate and cruel. Those were the very people whom, when absent, they dreaded more than death itself, were invited to reside, as one may say, under the selfsame roof. Foolish are the princes, as it is said, of Thanfanos, giving counsel to the unwise pharaoh. A multitude of whelps came forth from their lair, this barbaric lioness, in three kynals, as they call them, that is, in three ships of war, with their sails wafting by the wind, and with omens and prophecies favorable for it was foretold by a certain soothsayer among them that they should occupy the country to which they were sailing three hundred years, and half of that time, a hundred and fifty years, should plunder and despoil the same. They first landed on the eastern side of the island, by the invitation of the unlucky king, and there fixed their sharp talons, apparently to fight in favor of the island, but alas, more truly against it. Their motherland, finding her first brood thus successful, sends forth a larger company of her wolfish offspring, which sailing over, join themselves to their bastard-born comrades. For that time, the germ of iniquity and the root of contention planted their poison amongst us, and as we deserved, and shot forth into leaves and branches. The barbarians being thus introduced as soldiers into the island to encourage, as they falsely said, any dangers in defense of their hospitable entertainers, obtain an allowance of provisions which, for some time, being plentifully bestowed, stop their doggish mouths. Yet they complain that their monthly supplies are not furnished in sufficient abundance, and they industriously aggravate each occasion of quarrel, saying that unless more liberally it is shown to them, they will break the treaty and plunder the whole island. In a short time they follow up on their threats with deeds. For the fire of vengeance justly kindled by former crimes spread from sea to sea, fed by the hand of our foes in the east, and 
did not cease until destroying the neighboring towns and lands. It reached the outside of the island and dipped its red and savage tongue into the western ocean. In these assaults, therefore, not unlike those of the Assyrians upon Judea, was fulfilled in our case what the prophet described in the words of Lamentations. They have burned with fire the sanctuary. They have polluted on earth the tabernacle of thy name. And again, O God, the Gentiles have come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled, so that all the columns were leveled with the ground by the fervent strokes of the battering ram. All the husbandmen routed together with their bishops, priests, and people, while swords gleamed and the flames crackled around them on every side. Lamentable to behold, in the midst of the streets lay the tops of lofty towers tumbled to the ground. Stones of high walls, holy altars, fragments of human bodies, covered with livid clots of coagulated blood, looking as if they had been squeezed together in a press with no chance of being buried, save in the ruins of houses, or in the ravening bellies of wild beasts and birds, with reverence be it spoken for their blessed souls. If indeed there were many found who were carried at that time into the high heavens by the holy angels, so entirely had the vintage, once so fine, degenerated and become bitter, that in the words of the prophet there was hardly a grape or an ear of corn to be seen where the husbandman had turned his back. Some, therefore, of miserable remnant, being taken into the mountains, were murdered in great numbers. Others, constrained by famine, came yielding themselves to be slaves forever to their foes, running the risk of being instantly slain, which truly was the greatest favor that could be offered them. Some others passed beyond the seas with loud lamentation instead of the voice of exhortation. Thou hast given us as sheep to be slaughtered, and among the Gentiles hast thou dispersed us. Others, committing to the safeguard of their lives, which were in continual jeopardy to the mountains, precipices, and thickly wooded forests, and to the rocks of the seas, albeit with trembling hearts, remained still in their country. But in the meanwhile, an opportunity happened. When these most cruel robbers were returned home, the poor remnant of our nation to whom flocked from diverse places round about our miserable countrymen, as fast as bees to their hive, for fear of the ensuing storm, being strengthened by God, called upon him with all their heart, as the poet says, with their unnumbered vows, they burden heaven, that they might not be brought into utter destruction took arms under the conduct of Ambrosius Aurelianus, a modest man, whom of all the Roman nations was then alone in the confusion of the troubled period by chance left alive. His parents, who for their merit were adorned with the purple, had been slain in those same broils. And now his progeny in these our days, although shamefully degenerated from the worthiness of their ancestors, provoked to battle their cruel conquerors, and by the goodness of our Lord obtain victory. After this, sometimes our countrymen, sometimes the enemy, won the field, and to that end our Lord might this land try, after his accustomed manner, these his Israelites, whether they loved him or not, until the year of the besiege of Baden Hill,
they took place also the last almost, though not the least, slaughter of our cruel foes, which was, as I am sure, forty-four years and one month after the landing of the Saxons, also the time of my own nativity. And yet, neither to this day are the cities of our country inhabited as before, but being forsaken and overthrown lie desolate, our foreign wars having ceased, but our civil troubles still remaining. For as well the remembrance of such terrible desolation of the island, and also for the unexpected recovery of the same, remained in the mind of those who were eyewitnessed of the wonderful events of both, and in regard thereof, kings, public magistrates, and private persons, with priests and clergymen, did all and every one of them live orderly according to their several vocations. But when these had departed out of this world, a new race succeeded, who were ignorant of the troublesome times, and who had only experienced the present prosperity. All the laws of truth and justice were so shaken and subverted, that not so much as a vestige or remembrance of those virtues remained among the above-named order of men, except among the very few who compared with the great multitude were daily rushing headlong down to hell, are accounted so small a number that our reverent mother, the church, scarcely beholds them, her only true children, reposing in her bosom, whose worthy lives being patterned to all men and beloved of God, inasmuch as by their holy prayers, as by certain pillar and most profitable supporters. Our infirmity is sustained up. It may not be utterly broken down. I would have no one suppose I intend to reprove if forced by increased multitude of offenses. I have freely, I with anguish, not so much as declared as bewailed the wickedness of those who become servants, not only to their bellies, but also to the devil, rather Christ, who is our blessed God, world without end. For why shall their countrymen conceal what foreign nations round about now not only know, but are continually are casting in their teeth? Gildas In the year of our Lord, 449, Marican, 46th from Augustus, became emperor with Valentinian and the ruler for seven years. At that time, the race of Angles or Saxons invited by Vortigern came to Britain in three warships. By his command were granted a place of settlement in the eastern part of the island, ostensibly to fight on behalf of the country. But the real intention was to conquer it. First they fought against the enemy who attacked from the north, and the Saxons won the victory. A report of this, as well as of the fertility of the island and the slackness of the Britons, reached their homes, and at once a much larger fleet was sent over with stronger bands of warriors. This, added to the contingent already there, made it an invincible army. 
the newcomers received from Britain a grant of land in their midst, on condition that they fought against their foes for the peace and safety of their country. And for this the soldiers were also to receive pay. They came from three very powerful Germanic tribes, the Saxons, Angles, and Jutes. The people of Kent and the inhabitants of the island of Wight are Jutish origin, and also those opposite the Isle of Wight, that part of the kingdom of Wessex, which still today it called the nation of the Jutes. From the Saxon country, that is the district now known as Old Saxony, came the East Saxons, the South Saxons, and the West Saxons. Besides this, from the country of the Angles, that is, from the land between the kingdom of the Jutes and the Saxons, which is called Angulus, came the East Angles, the Middle Angles, and the Mercians, and all of the Northumbrian race, that is, those people who dwell north of the river Humber, as well as the other Angle tribes. Angulus is said to have remained deserted from that day to this. Their first leader are said to have been two brothers, Hengis and Horsa. Horsa was afterwards killed in a battle with the Brit by the Britons, and in the eastern part of Kent there is still a monument bearing his name. There were sons of Wigist and Witta, sons of Wecta and sons of Woden. From those stock the royal families of many kingdoms claimed their descent. It was not long before the hordes of these people eagerly crowded into the island, and the number of foreigners began to increase to such an extent that they became a source of terror to the natives, who had called them in. Then suddenly they made a temporary treaty with the Picts, whom they had already driven far away and began to turn their weapons against their allies. First they made them provide a greater quantity of food, then, seeking an occasion for a quarrel, they insisted that unless they received still greater supplies, they would break the treaty and lay waste to every part of the island. Nor were they all that slow in carrying out their threats. To put in briefly, the fire kindled by the hand of the heathens executed the just vengeance of God on a nation for its crimes. It was not unlike the fires that once kindled by the Chaldeans, which consumed the walls and the building, all the buildings of Jerusalem. So here in Britain, the just judge ordained that the fires of their brutal conquerors should ravage all their neighboring cities and countryside from east to western sea, and burn on, with no one to hinder it, until it covered almost the whole face of the doomed island. Public and private buildings fell in ruins, priests were everywhere slain at their altars, prelates and people alike perished by sword and fire regardless of rank and there were no one left to bury those who died a cruel death. Some of these miserable remnants were captured in the mountains and butchered indiscriminately. Others, exhausted by hunger, came forward and submitted themselves to the enemy, ready to accept perpetual slavery for the sake of food, provided only that they escaped being killed on the spot. Some fled sorrowfully to lands beyond the sea, while others remained in their own lands and led a wretched existence, always in fear and dread among the mountains and the woods and the precipitous rocks. Bead. If you're like me and eating healthy is a bit of a problem, let me bend your ear a little bit to eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. 
Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Kato, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggies. Also, discover more than 60 add ons every week, like breakfasts, on the go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factors ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring. Also, if you're looking for gourmet meals, try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for our lowest carbon footprint meals. Head to factormeals.com slash welshhistorypod50 and use the code welshhistorypod50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code welshhistorypod50 at factormeals.com slash welshhistorypod50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. After the war between the Britons and the Romans, the assassination of their ruler, and the victory of Maximus, who slew Gratian, and the termination of Roman power in Britain, they were in alarm for 40 years. Vortigern then reigned in Britain. In his time, the natives had cause of dread, not only from the inroads of the Scots and the Picts, but also from the Romans and their apprehensions of Ambrosius. In the meantime, three vessels exiled from Germany arrived in Britain. They were commanded by Horsa and Hengist, brothers and sons of Witkus. Vortigern received them as friends and delivered up to them the island which is, in their language, called Thanet, and by the Britons, Royum. Gratanius Aquinius at that time reigned in Rome. The Saxons were received by Vortigern 447 years after the Passion of Christ, and according to the tradition of our ancestors, from the period of their first arrival in Britain, to the first year of the reign of King Edmund, 542 years, and to that in which we now write, which is the fifth of his reign, 547 years. After the Saxons had continued some time in the island of Thanet, Vortigern promised to supply them with clothing and provisions, on condition that they would engage to fight against the enemies of his country. But the barbarians, having greatly increased in number, the Britons becoming incapable of fulfilling their engagement, and when the Saxons, according to the promise they had received, claimed a supply of provisions and clothing, the Britons replied, Your number is increased, your assistance is now unnecessary. You may, therefore, return home, for we can no longer support you. And hereupon they began to devise a means of breaking the peace between them. But Hengist, in whom united craft and penetration, perceiving that he had to act with an ignorant king and a fluctuating people, 
incapable of opposing much resistance, replied to Vortigern, We are indeed few in number, but if you will give us leave, we will send our, for our country and for additional numbers of forces, with whom we will fight for you and your subjects. Vortigern assented to this proposal. Messengers were dispatched to Scythia, where, selecting a number of warlike troops, they returned with sixteen vessels, bringing with them the beautiful daughters of Hengist, and now the Saxon chief prepared an entertainment to which he invited the king, his officers and Ketterick, his interpreter, having previously enjoined his daughters to serve them so profusely with wine and ale that they might soon become intoxicated. This plan succeeded, and Vortigern, at the instigation of the devil, and enamored with the beauty of the damsel, demanded her, through the medium of his interpreter, of the father, and promising to give for her whatever he should ask. Then Hengist, who had already consulted with the elders, who attended him with the Oghul race, demanded for his daughter the province called in English Kentland, in Britain, or Kent. This secession was made without the knowledge of the king, Gnogus, who then reigned in Kent, and who experienced no inconsiderable share of grief from seeing his kingdom thus clandestinely and fraudulently and imprudently resigned to foreigners. Thus the maid was delivered up to the king who slept with her, and loved her exceedingly. Hengist, after this, said to Vortigern, I will be both your father and adviser, and despise not my counsels, and you shall have no reason to fear being conquered by any man or any nation whatever, for the people of my country are strong, warlike, and robust. If you approve, I will send for my sons and his brothers, both valiant men, whom at my invitation will fight against the Scots, and you can give them the countries in the north near the wall called Gaul. The incautious sovereign, having assented to this, Octa and Abusa arrived with forty ships, in these they sailed round the country of the Picts, and laid waste the Orkneys, and took possession of many regions, even to the Pictish confines. Ninius This has been a Distractions Media production. For more information, you can check out everything we do at distractionsmedia.com. The Battle of Waterloo was one of the most famous turning points in world history. But what happened next? My name's David Montgomery, and I'm the host of The Siecla, a history podcast that tackles exactly that. Join me as I cover France's overlooked century in between Napoleon and World War I. The Siècle, spelled S-I-E-C-L-E, is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and can be found wherever you get podcasts.